Galatians. So we're, this is week two, new series, Galatians, small letter. Paul writes, uh, we're studying this the second week. I want to remind you, if you were with us last time, uh, you'll remember, if you were here, uh, one of our goals when it comes to uh, what we're trying to do in this series uh, begins with the belief, we really believe, uh, that to be a Christian is to be in ministry with Jesus. Okay, that was the one thing we really emphasized to be a Christian is to actually be in ministry with Jesus. So what that means um, is that you're excited. So you're here right now and you're excited this morning because you, you really believe that you're gonna meet with a person and you wanna receive, you expect to really meet with Jesus because he's really alive and he's really engaging and he's interceding and he's, he's doing a work in your life, but he's also, you really believe that he's gonna do work through you that the gospel doesn't just come into us to change us, but that we are really in ministry with Jesus. Okay, that's what we said last week. We said the demons know the book of Galatians, right? It doesn't matter this morning if we get a little bit more kind of, oh, knowledge, knowledge, more notes in Galatians and we don't do it. So our heart, at least my heart, and I'm, maybe the spirit will do this in you. My heart is that you would go, I wanna go do Galatians. I wanna go live out this gospel. I really wanna be with Jesus on his ministry. Okay, so that's what we said. So, I, you know, I borrowed from David Platt. Here's the quote again. God did not design the gospel of Jesus, which all, that's all I'm gonna talk to you about today is the gospel. God did not design the gospel of Jesus to be confined to our minds and mouths in the church, yet disconnected from our, our emotions and actions in the world, okay? Right, if you were with me last week, we used Kanye. We said, use this gospel. We gotta use it. We have to use the gospel, right? For protection. I'll do it. I won't do it again. I'm sorry. Um, but I really believe that, that if you woke up every day and you, you sat with him in his word and you really communed with Jesus, and, and the Bible says he delights to give you the kingdom. And if you said to him and you asked him, will you show me today where you're working and would you help me join you in that? That he would, that he really would answer that prayer, okay? So this happened to me on Monday, yep. Happy Monday, guess what? It was my birthday. This was my birthday, January 6th, bam, smash. They took my laptop and my bag. And here's the worst thing. It was my birthday and I was going to get salsa for birthday tacos. So I pull into the, you know where the hub is and the key. So I pull in there. I'm like, I'll put my, I lock it, right? Don't need my bag. I'll be 15 minutes. Go get the salsa for the tacos. I'm, I'm literally thinking about Galatians. I'm really happy. Bam. Okay, so um, it's really funny because like, I, the glass was still dripping, like it just happened. So I was like, I'm gonna go find this guy. He, like, he's probably close. And so uh, Shane, not a good idea, right, bro? But I did it anyways, I did it anyways. Shane's a police officer. Okay, so I, I, uh, I go and I try to find the guy because I can find my phone, right? And he's, the thing's moving. I'm like, where is he? And then it stops because he probably shut it off. But I couldn't find him. But I, I actually don't even know what I would say if I did find him, right? I'd be like, hey, give that back. In Jesus' name, or so, I don't know. You know, what? Uh, didn't find them, you know, called the police, they're on it, they take all the stuff. But I was really, it was really hard. Like I was, cause you know, you, you always, you gotta think like, okay, now I gotta write this sermon, I don't have a computer anymore, I got all this stuff on it. Um, it was a hard, and then the next day is like my staff day. So it's like the first year, I'm like really trying to pump them up for the new year and this, this was me. Okay, so what are your goals? You know, I was just down, I was down. Um, I'm sure they felt more joy, but 
And you, you, you're just rusting, you're trusting in God. You know, your kids are like freaking out and you gotta tape the whole thing. And, uh, and you gotta, you know, all that stuff comes to your mind. And so it was really tough, but so Wednesday, so it's Wednesday now. And I'm like, I need to go get a new computer. I got to work on my sermon. I was really stressed about it. I got like two zits coming in from the stress. And um, so I go to Metrotown, right? And it's at 10 a.m. And like all the sales are over. So no one's in Metrotown except for like the mall walkers. So like I'm trying to keep pace with them. Just I'm only here to walk with you guys. And so I have to go get a bag. So and, I'm, and, and so last week, remember, I asked us that we're all gonna pray and we're gonna ask Jesus to show us what he's doing. And then we're gonna try to see if, if we can minister with Jesus in what he's doing. So I began to pray that as I entered the mall. And so I get to the Herschel store and, and, and so I prayed. I'm like asking the Holy Spirit while I'm getting the bag and having this conversation and, and just kind of waiting for a window and any sense, like, is, is this conversation gonna go anywhere? And it didn't. So then I go to the Apple store and it's, you know, so many workers, no one's there. And I meet a guy named Sean. So he's a middle-aged, Middle Eastern guy. And, uh, and, I, and I started to share with him, like, this is what I need. This is what happened. He's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. And, and we're like, you know, it's okay. And, and then we just started talking about how long he's been at Apple and like his life. And, and then he asked me what I do. And I said, I, I get to teach the Bible. And he's like, oh, you know, I had a Christian who was a neighbor and then the only exposure he's ever had to Christianity was his neighbor uh, and uh, all the health, wealth, gospel preachers on TV who are making a lot of money. And so he just was starting. He's like, is this you? Like, do you, do you like to take, I'm like, no. And I just got to share with him the gospels that Jesus left everything. And he, and he came to give us his whole life so that you can actually have forgiveness of sin and you can have new life with God. And, and he was like, so you, it's not about it. So anyways, I, I was the Lord's like, ding, 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 we're doing, we're, this, is, this is the time. So I'm like, oh my goodness, we're doing this. So I start praying, because just to know, you guys think, oh yeah, James is a pastor, he knows what to say. I have no idea what to say in these moments. Um, and so what I did is I just said, can I, and okay, so if my job is to equip you, let me tell you that it will be your job when you're in a conversation, you can sense the spirit is, there's something happening here. It's your job, our job to actually transition the conversation uh, to, to what they believe. And so I asked him, like, do you have any beliefs? What do you believe? And he then explained to me, I'm a, I'm a Muslim. I'm not really that, that devout. I believe as long as you believe in God and you're good, then you're safe. And, I, and right away, instantly, the Holy Spirit put John 17 in my mind. And so in John 17, there's a verse where Jesus says, I, I pray that the love that you have in me would be in them. And then I said to him, uh, something along the lines of like, when I meet Muslim friends, um, I've noticed that they never feel like that God will really truly love them. They don't really, really feel that their works are enough or they feel like they're really, really good and they have a lot of pride. And I said, is that, is that kind of your experience? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, we never really know. And then I said to him, can I share with you why the Trinity, like the, what we believe about God, actually can show you that God's love can come into your life and it's not based on your works. And he's like, he's like, yes. So I share with him, like if you only have one God, he can't really love you. He would need to create you to love him. But if you have a God who exists in community and they love each other, then he can actually share his love. And then I just shared with him the gospel. This is what God's love can do. And I said to him, I said, Sean, you can really know that you can be forgiven of your sin and, and God's love will always be on your life and you can never lose it. And he's like, can we keep talking? I'm like, I would love to. So we went and got the computer 
Anyways, so I'm, I, I'm walking out of the Apple store and you know, like, you know how you can never find your car at Metro Town because there's like all the elevators down. You're like, did I park at 1C or 1D or 1E? Um, so I couldn't find my car. Finally go to like the, the lot, the yellow one that I found. I open the door and the thought comes to my mind right away. What if the last 48 hours happened because I wanted to show Sean that I really love him and I want to share with him the good news of Jesus. Is it worth it? And I, that thought just hit me and I, I just broke down. It was really, really powerful. So I tell you that because he really will answer this prayer. So here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna pray. And if you're a guest or visiting today, you should, you should pray this. But if this is the shore church, I'm really asking that you would pray this because this is what God's doing at the shore. Okay, so here's the prayer. I want you to pray that. And I want you to really believe it. And then I'll pray and then we'll start the sermon. Okay, so you're gonna pray this, I'll pray, and then we'll get into our text. Father, I really just, I wanna pray that you would answer these prayers. What I know some of us just read it. We didn't, we didn't really pray because we don't believe that you really love us. And I, I wanna ask that during the sermon that we would be able to feel uh, your, your hug that we would feel your love and we would feel the grace of Christ so powerfully that we would pray this. But I also just pray that like Ephesians 2 says that you really have works prepared for those whom you've called. And we, we just, we want to really just see what it's like to live with you what it's like to, to be sent out with you, to do ministry with you. And I, some of us just, we want this and we're like, what does this look like? And we, we have a lot of, we wanna feel like we can control it, but we can't. So I just, I pray for peace. I pray you'd give us peace. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, as we enter into Galatians, you'd really minister. Uh, I really pray you'd heal anger. I pray you'd, you would, you would heal uh, works. We would, some of us are just, we have this burden on us that what we do matters more to you than who we are. And I pray you'd lift that in Jesus name as we, as we go through this. And I pray Holy Spirit, you'd help me teach in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. I'm, I'm really excited about this sermon. So we're just going to start text will be on the screen, but have your Bible in front of you. So if you have your phone, just Google Galatians chapter one, or if you have a Bible app, go there, but let me read it. <clears throat> so uh, this, we're picking it up. Verse six, I am astonished. This is Paul the apostle writing to the church in Galatia. I'm astonished that you're so quickly 
deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and wanna distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Okay, so uh, just to help us follow, I'm gonna give you the big idea of the flow of thought and then we're gonna break it down one by one. So here, here's what's going on in the heart of Paul. He's saying, this is what's going to happen when you begin to uh, desert the gospel. Here it is. Deserting the gospel is turning from a person his accomplished grace and the result is you will become a slave to man. That's the flow of his thought. Deserting the gospel is turning from a person, his, his a complete accomplished grace. And when you do that, the result is you will be enslaved to man. He's gonna show us that. And I wanna show us that as well. So we're gonna take this one at a time. So he says the first thing, deserting the gospel is turning from a person. His first line is like, I, he, I am astonished. The Greek word is like amazed. He's like, so I want you to imagine like this is, the, he, this church was just started in this, in this first missionary journey. So it's pro, let's say he's about two years past that. He's packing up for his second missionary journey or something. And, and there's news that comes and they're going, Paul, man, the, 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 the churches in Galatia, you know, the elders, you remember Jim? Yeah, they have, they have these teachers coming in. They were Judaizers. They were saying that, yes, Jesus, but they were trying to get everyone circumcised. They were saying that the way to actually have completion and love with God is that actually you have to obey the law. And, and Paul's like, are you serious? Get my papyrus, you know, Athanasius, uh, whatever their names are. Bring me my pen. And he's probably down there and he's like, He's like, oh my God. And you, here's what you need to feel. This really matters for him. And I want you to imagine emotionally, he is feeling the heartbreak of Jesus. I, I picture him going, I'm astonished. And I, I, I wonder if he's crying and he's thinking of Jesus who met him and saved him in Acts 9. And what's the first line? He doesn't say, I'm astonished that, that you you deserted, you know, these sets of beliefs, which are really important, or, or, or even like these truths. What does he say first? Look at your Bible. He says, I'm astonished that you've deserted what? Him. He's like, they just, they're deserting you. Like, I don't get it. I can't believe they're deserting him. For, for Paul, those aren't separate. Jesus really called them in the grace of Christ, a person. Just so you know, one of the most powerful realities about the early church is that when they gathered to worship, they, they, look, look, they actually gathered to worship a person. They, they really, like, and when they healed, so in Acts 9, they heal. And you know what? 
they really believe a person healed him. So they say, like in Acts 9, he'll say, Jesus Christ healed you. They really believed that Jesus, all the gospel was bound up in the person of Jesus. So he says, I'm astonished you so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. Okay, the order is God accepts us right away despite or, or, or despite our lack of, of merit. And then we follow a person. Sometimes I think we forget that. To be a Christian is to really be in friendship with, on mission with, in community with a person. To desert the gospel is to desert him. So here's Paul's point. As soon as you add anything to the gospel, you've lost it entirely. And, and he's amazed, he's amazed if the people whom he loves and planted a church with, if they go away from the grace of Jesus to something plus Jesus, they're going away from the only person whom there is new life and forgiveness of sin. There's no other gospel apart from the person of Jesus alone. That's, that's, the, that's the angst of these 10 verses. He's astonished to hear there's people in your church, there's people in your family who, who are walking away from the realm of God's grace and they're saying that God's goodness is contingent on your goodness. They're saying you need to do in order to secure God's love. You have to works are a part of your salvation. And he says, they're going to hell. That's what he says. They will go to hell. He says, if a freaking angel comes down or even like I come back and I preach a different gospel, we're going to hell. That's what he says. Like I can't change the Greek text to to say something different. He literally says, if anyone's preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be damned. That word means anathema, cursed. And so, so, so it's nothing to do with the credentials of the messenger. He said, you can't desert the gospel. You got to know the gospel. You got to stay true to the gospel. Okay, so we should ask, you should be like, well, okay, this is serious. James is really serious. I, I need to stay true. To the, yes, that's actually the spirit telling you to think that way. Okay, so you should be asking, and I'm going to share with you, what, what was the gospel that Paul preached? Because he says, don't do a different one. Whatever you received when we came and preached, that's the gospel. So really the Bible, Luke, uh, he's a lawyer. He records what Paul actually preached on his first missionary journey. So how many of you, you wanna read that sermon? Anybody wanna read the sermon? Okay, show of hands, how many of you? Yeah, two at the back. Anyone else wanna see the first gospel preached? Let's go, come on, come on church. Come on, Kev, you want it, man, you want it. All right, here's the, here's, this is the gospel he preached. And we, this, it's on the screen. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers. So this is a fulfilling promise. Here's what God promised to the fathers. When the Messiah comes, he will give you new life in his spirit. That's what Ezekiel said. He will, he will give you the kingdom. Okay. So he's saying this, this promise, it has been fulfilled. Guys, to us, you know, they're children. How? How has it been fulfilled? He, this is what Paul's preaching. By raising Jesus, the resurrection brought us into a new realm of grace that cut us from the old law. So this is what he's trying to show them. If you add to this law, you're going back. Mm-mm. 
So the resurrection changed everything. So then he quotes Old Testament scriptures to point all this out and to show us that, that the Messiah from David wasn't David, it was actually someone like him. So let me read now. Uh, he says this, uh, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. So that's like new resurrection body. He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. So that, that's what it means. It means to have the new spirit in you, the blessings of this Messiah. So then he says, therefore, he says, also in another Psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. He saw corruption, but not Jesus, but he whom God raised up did not see corruption, death. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, did you notice the word? Man, person, to desert the gospel is to desert the person. So he says, through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And then watch what he says next. And by him, a person, by him, everyone who believes, that's what you do, is, is what's our word? Freed from everything, from trying to live this perfect life because you need holiness, which Jesus did. Freed. From, from needing to sacrifice lambs to get forgiveness in, in the Old Testament, freed from everything you could not be freed from the law of Moses. So, so let me be really clear, in case you're new to the Bible and some of the Old Testament stuff can be a little tricky, that's okay, we were all there. Paul's saying forgiveness with God, the perfect life required before a holy God was lived by Jesus. The sin we deserve was paid by Jesus and then Jesus gifts all of it, which is a grace, it's a grace through faith. So we believe in Jesus, the person, and we have and receive everything he's done, which leads us into the second part. So deserting the gospel is turning from a person. Second, it's turning from his accomplished grace. Let me say, let me say this. One of the biggest dangers of Jesus' friends, which is you, okay? You're a friend. One of the biggest dangers of disciples, and, and if you're parents in here, one of the biggest dangers for your kids is not the anti-gospel outside the church. It, it is the counterfeit gospels inside. From those inside who try to change the new realm of grace given in what Jesus accomplished and want to say, unless you're a good kid, unless you do this, we'll talk about this in a second, but that's the biggest danger. So grace, let me explain this. Jerry Bridges, beautiful theologian, writes this. Grace, it'll be on the screen, stands in direct opposition to any supposed worthiness on our part. To say it another way, grace and works are mutually exclusive. As Paul said in Romans eleven six, 6, and if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Paul, he just says this really clear. So we're talking about salvation. He says in Ephesians 2, 8, this will be on the screen as well. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. 
one of the biggest deceptions that demons will say, and, and just so you know, demons will wake up. Like they don't wake up. When you wake up, they're, they're, with, they're there. They're there and they're there to tell you that your obedience or that God's love for you is contingent on your obedience. They will try to make you doubt the grace of Christ and they will make you wanna feel like you need to work hard to approve yourself and your security with God. And that's a lie, okay? So this is not your own doing. What does he say? It is the, go back. We're gonna, we're gonna you guys are, need to work for this, okay? Uh, it is what, what's the G word? You can, you can yell it out. It's the gift, good, gift. So, so, and this is not your own doing, it is the what? Gift, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. How many of you have read Pilgrim's Progress? Anyone read that book? Yeah, no? Okay, a few, yeah, 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 you did. Um, so John Bunyan, 18th century, phenomenal book. By the way, Charles Spurgeon read this book 30 times. It was such an influential book in his life. Um, he talks about a revelatory moment where Jesus revealed his love. And I want, I want to read what he says um, because I, this is true. This is the gospel. So here's what he writes. But one day as I was passing in the field and that too with some dashes on my conscience, fearing less yet all was not right. Okay, stop there. How many of you, you know, you know how that feels. You walk out, you go to your job or you go even for a walk and you know you're weak, that show, that thing, the way you handled that with your kids. You feel yet all is not right. So he's with you. Watch this. Suddenly this sentence fell upon my soul. Thy righteousness is in heaven. And methought withal I saw with the eyes of my soul, Jesus Christ at God's right hand. There I say, as my righteousness. So that wherever I was or whatever I was doing, God could not save me. He wants my righteousness for that was just before him. I also saw moreover that it was not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just so you know, everything Jesus obeyed, every moment he loved the Father with joy and with a pure heart loved people living righteously, all of it, all of his life is then gifted to us as if we had done it. Sure, there's no other gospel. The only works that Christ sees on your life, if he's in you, are the works of Christ. That's the gospel. That's pretty cool. The moment you feel I need to do in order to secure God's love and acceptance, you need to say out loud or in your heart, Jesus has secured that for me. I receive his work in Jesus' name. Anytime you hear you need to do or you shouldn't have done or you to secure God's love, 
that's a lie. And if you actually hear it, that in your mind, you can actually, because Jesus is in, you have, you have authority to say, I command that lying spirit to leave in Jesus' name and it will go. But sometimes you grew up, so here's the thing, if you talk to any psychologist or you talk to counselors, what they'll show you is that most people with their addictions, whether it's a shopping addiction, alcohol addiction, work addiction, whatever it is, deep down inside, they believe performance gives me value. And so we've been raised all the time to believe that the more I do, the more valuable I am. And so when you have that working on and you become a Christian and you have all this false gospel teachers telling you, you need, you need to add, you need to add, you need to make sure you need, and you stop looking to the righteousness of Christ for your salvation to something other than Jesus, you are deserting the gospel. So you just say, no, mm-mm. You just say, mm-mm. You need to say out loud in your heart, Jesus has secured that for me. I receive his work in Jesus' name, okay? Now, let me talk about fear of man. So, so by the way, I just, I wanna thank God for that. That's incredible. I feel like, I, when I was writing this sermon, I actually felt like at each point I should thank God. So I did that in my own heart in the first. But can we just thank God right now for the gospel? So I want you right now, I just want you to thank God in your heart for, for what the gospel is. So you do that. That's, it's amazing. Okay, so here's how I'm gonna transition. Paul goes this. So Paul, there's a secret to life that Paul understands and I'm gonna tell you the secret. Um, but let me show you the verse because you're like, show me in the Bible. And that's what you should do. You should never listen to what I say and be like, well, I don't see it. You should always ask, is it here? Okay, you guys know that. Okay, for I'm not seeking this. He says this, for I'm now, question, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would, I would not be a servant of Christ. So let me ask you this question. And you, I just, you need to answer it. Not out loud, okay? I mean, I would encourage once in a while, like, amen, or things like that that would help me preach, but not this. Okay, who's, okay, so what do you think about this? Whose love or whose opinion or validating words have, like, whose love or validating words or opinion have, have so much power that when you have them, you feel like life's gonna be okay. But if you don't have them, you're, you're, they have so much power, they just crushed you. And for some, it actually might even be your own. Like you might be the most important opinion of yourself that if you have this, if you, if you yourself say you are awesome, then you feel good. So let me ask you this question. Who are you really serving in life in, in, those, in that answer in your mind? Well, you're either serving someone, you're a slave to someone or yourself. And you're totally in bondage. And, and the reason we all had an answer is because we were designed by God to actually receive acceptance security and our significance in him. You were, you were made for that. Did you know that Adam and Eve never had insecurity? They never felt insecure. 
until sin came in. <clears throat> and they lost that approval and now they're hungry for the Father's love. And when Jesus came, you have it. With, listen, listen look, look right at me. Without Jesus, you will live on a treadmill um, to whoever is big enough in your life at that moment to give you value. So whoever has, right now, it'll be different every year, but if, if, it's, if it's a teacher or someone in your class, whatever it is, you will always live on a treadmill because you will need someone to give you value. Oftentimes it's a parent to give you a sense of worth. And whoever's big enough in your life, that's who it'll be. And you're just a slave. So Paul's gonna tell us a secret, but there's one more way we desert the gospel. Let me tell you what it is. We, we use Jesus to give us something that we think will bring true life and salvation. So for example, we will have, uh, Jesus is the way to financial gain. You would never say that, but deep down, you feel good after you do your devos because you go to get financial gain and you get it. Uh, others, it will be, you, you will, the gospel for you will be um, Jesus, if he gives me a happy home. Or if he tells you that your authentic self is really the true you. And, and deep down, you're like, I don't need all this substitutionary death and you know, blood. I believe, this is not me, okay? This is a false gospel, but here's another false gospel. If you believe all that you need to do is give yourself to the poor and accept everyone, then you're in, right? If being good alone uh, and being tolerant is how you get eternal life and new life with God, if that's the basis, not the fruit, if that's the basis, then you've deserted him who's called you in the what? Grace of Christ. Others of you, it's been religious tradition. You've grown up in churches that have told you, yes, it's Jesus, but if you don't memorize this amount of scripture and you don't uh, give respectability to the community, then you're not, you're not really in the family. So here's the key. Well, let me say this. Any theology that posits works, any kind of works, being good, uh, doing social justice, any, 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 okay? Any, any, <laughs> keep saying any. Any theology that posits works as the basis of your relationship with God is not the gospel. So here's the key, okay? I'm gonna tell you, I told you the key. The key to freedom from approval of man. Some of you have been enslaved to approval of man for a long time. So here's, the, here's how you get out of it. The key for, to <clears throat> have freedom from the approval of man is, is not focus on being good, but rather on being God's. Let me say it again. The key to freedom from approval of man is not focusing on being good, but on who you belong to who you're a servant of. See, Paul got the secret. He said, being a servant of Jesus is what it means to live this new life of the spirit. Like, like how many of you believe that? Let me ask you, do you believe that? Okay, now right now, <clears throat> so I was prepping this morning in my kitchen. At that point, I felt this morning that Satan wants to distract you at this point. So I'm, I, I'm just gonna pray, Jesus, I pray that there'd be no distractions in Jesus' name.
okay? The key to freedom from approval of man is not focusing on being good or successful or liked or even having enough religion, whatever, but rather on being God's. See, see, being a servant, let me just explain this, is about coming to him. It's, a, it's about you're fully made alive. Your righteousness is now with Jesus. And now what you wanna do is you wanna come to your king and because you're now his and you wanna say, Jesus, where do you wanna love others? Where do you wanna care for people? Where do you want me to use these gifts? Where do you want me to set captives free? Where do you want me to kick Satan in the teeth? Where do you want me to pray for the sick? See, when Jesus sent his disciples, he, said, he told them to go and he told them to proclaim the gospel. So now your new life is I wanna go now. I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm gonna spend time with him and I'm gonna go into the world and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. I'm gonna love people the way Jesus did. I'm, I'm gonna pray for the sick. I'm actually gonna pray for healing for people. I'm gonna cast out demons. Just so you know, the Bible says that's what you're called to do. You're called to, so wherever you're working, if you're in your business office, you're wondering, so Holy Spirit, I'm yours today. If there's any demons tormenting anyone, will you show me and I will cast them out. That's what you're called to do. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, teaching them to, to do all that I did, all that I commanded. One of these things he told them was to go and enter into the kingdom of darkness. You have new power, you have new life, and you have new spiritual warfare. You have a sword, a shield, a helmet, you have all of it because you wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? So your, your new excitement is now I get to be with the king and he's bringing a real kingdom and all that I exist and all my work to do is to serve, love God, be faithful, but be a part of God's kingdom. That's, that's the secret to approval of man. You won't have time to sin when you're thinking, what does God wanna do with me today for his kingdom? Right, that would be an exciting life. If you woke up every day, you were like, I'm gonna heal the sick. I'm gonna punch demons in the face and I'm gonna proclaim the gospel of God. I'm gonna get a lot of work done. I'm gonna pray for people. That would be a good, that would be an exciting day, wouldn't it? It would be. But none of you right now are like, yeah, I don't know. But it really would be a good day. I'm just saying. Okay. Listen, I, I know there's, there's a theology that I, I have to like, like learn more about work. I get that. I really believe that God's given you gifts to reflect him in your work. That, that the right thing to do, the Bible says, is to listen to your boss, respect, you know, do a good job. But, but I think we lean too hard into that. And we just, we work a nine to five, no one, nothing really happens. And we go home and we watch Netflix. And then we go, how come this is really, really hard for me? Just something to pray about, okay? All right. Here's why I think you don't do it. I'm gonna get a little more bold. You thought that was bold. I think deep down, we have a lot of fear. We're afraid. I think we're afraid. And let me, let me say this, especially to men. I, I, I don't know why I get really amped up when I talk to the men, because I really love you guys. I'm not mad at you. But men tend to think they're really, really strong and they're really, really bold because they tend to feel like they have control. And so they go into their work, they have different, you know, platforms that make them feel powerful and people listen to them and they feel like they can be in control. But when it comes to doing what God's telling them to do, they're cowards. 
but everyone else approves of them. But really they're a slave to man and not to God. And I think that we take our eyes off the father. And when we do that, we look to man to make us comfortable, to give us identity and purpose. And some of us, this fear of what others will think in my workplace, or what if I fail, or what if I even get fired, has, has kept you afraid, but you don't feel afraid because you feel powerful at work. But you're actually not serving God, you're serving man. And I really believe Jesus really loves you and he wants to speak into this and he wants to heal this because he's, he's actually really pleased with you and you're his son and, and you're a servant of Christ. So I was praying this week for this sermon and you know, I, was, I always talk to like, Norm and other pastors, and I'm like, when we apply the text, we always pray, what's God doing in our church? So I asked him, what are you doing in our church? And I felt like the Lord wanted me to address anger. So let me just say something about anger. I was praying and fasting for this moment, okay? So uh, let, me, let me tell you what I think's happening. Um, if your performance is where you get identity, which is very common, what's happened is you have projected where you get value onto the people around you. And the way you look at them as you judge them valuable if they're performing in the way you get value. And what happens when they're not performing in the way you get value is you actually get angry. And oftentimes what will happen is this will come out on your spouse or on your kids. And you don't really know what's going on, but you feel this anger and you don't like it and I think Jesus wants to heal you from it, but I need to let you know that you, you have left some scars and your spouse or your, your kids have never told you that you have left scars. And if this is you and you know that the Holy Spirit is showing you that I think is you, I want you to ask them, what are those scars? Where have I scarred you with my anger? And then I want you to feel the friendship of Jesus because he's really proud of you. And then I want you to ask them to pray for you and ask them to forgive you. And then I believe God wants to give you new love that will come into that anger and it will heal it. I I, you need to hear this, he really loves you and he's excited to make you like him. And he's really excited to use you with such great force and friendship, but he wants to tell you today that he wants you to deal with this anger. Paul is in tears because he really believes you're not a slave to that stuff. And you're his son and you're his daughter. You're actually a servant of Christ. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing a new song. So the band's gonna come up and I wanna read you the lyrics. <clears throat> and, um, and I really, really want you to sing this song. 
So here's the lyrics. The song goes like this. You unravel me. The spirit does that. With a melody, you surround me with a song. By the way, Zephaniah 3 says he actually is singing over us. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. The Greek word in our text for servant of Christ is doulos, slave. So you're gonna sing, I am no longer a slave to fear. Whatever that is for you, I want you to, I want you to sing it. So if it's fear of man, fear of not being liked, fear of losing your job, fear of losing your marriage, whatever it is, and it's holding you back from actually wanting to listen to Jesus, to love him and do what he says, whatever, you're no, you just sing it. Why? Because you're, you're a servant, you're a child of God. That's your identity. And then we just, we talked about this in the uh, dedication. He says this, from my mother's womb, some of you need to believe that, that you have been chosen by God. He actually picked you. He really loves you. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Jesus has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your blood, what you've done on the cross is really in me. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And then we're gonna sing, I'm surrounded by the arms of the father. And I'm, I'm gonna pray that I'm gonna invite the Holy Spirit to really just show you that. I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. We've been liberated from our bondage. That's what Paul said in verse five. You have been delivered, liberated. That's the gospel. We're the sons and the daughters. Let us sing our freedom. And then the bridge says something like, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me and I will stand and sing. I am a child of God.